Well, here we are. It is time, Simba. If you understand that reference, you might be about the age where we should be working together. It's possible. But it is now one of three times a year that I'm accepting clients for my freedom framework, overcoming food sensitivities and increasing energy without unnecessary restriction. My goal for my one-on-one clients is to take them through frameworks and explore tools for achieving 50, 80, 90% of their goals in just a few months and show them how to continue to heal on their own so they don't need me anymore. Honestly, I think we're doing great one-on-one work here, helping women that would otherwise be falling through the cracks, thinking that they're just aging, that they're just moms, that they just, and it may be true that they just have stress when really those stress hormones and their other core systems just really need some serious support and some serious love to serve them for years to come without symptoms. So if you'd like to clear inflammation, eczema, food sensitivities, or improve energy and brain clarity, I'd love to chat with you. You can book a call with me at kristabigler.com forward slash FSS, kristabigler.com forward slash FSS, and that link will be in the show notes. You now have the choice to not be in those negative ruminative thoughts and to instead choose the contents of your own mind. And when you do that, you're now letting go of thoughts that are often negative. Those negative thoughts then have an impact on your body. Welcome to the Less Stressed Life Podcast, where our only priority is providing those aha moments to uplevel your life, health, and happiness. Your host, integrative dietitian nutritionist Krista Bigler, helps health conscious women reduce the stress and confusion around food, fatigue, digestive, and skin issues at lessstressnutrition.com. Now, on to the show. While most of us think about taking a prenatal vitamin during pregnancy, taking one both postpartum and starting one the moment you are thinking about conceiving is just as important. Before pregnancy, the quality of your egg health can be influenced at least three months before conception, affecting fertility, and nutrients are doing much of this egg health work. Nutrition needs postpartum are often increased, especially if mom is pumping or breastfeeding, plus taking on the stresses of a new baby at home. All of these things are highly dependent on nutrients, and you can feel better when you go beyond a low-dose prenatal or gummy that isn't really meeting your needs for all these stages of change in your body. Full Circle Prenatal was developed as a two-year labor of love by my friend, mentor, and colleague, Ayla Barmer, a highly trained integrative dietitian nutritionist specializing in women's health and fertility. She took special care in sourcing the best quality nutrients in evidence-based quantities to truly give you the best bang for your buck in a comprehensive prenatal. Specifically, she ensures that there's a great amount of one of my favorite underrated nutrients, choline, which is essential for skin, brain, and liver health, but intake is often inadequate in over 90% of pregnant women. Other prenatal vitamins often undercut magnesium and calcium as well because of their large size in a supplement. But this compromises your dental and bone health needs while creating a baby or feeding one, and not having enough magnesium can also lead to a cascade of issues with sleep, the nervous system, and even digestive problems. There is no other prenatal on the market like Full Circle Prenatal, and I'm proud to welcome this company of integrity as a sponsor for the Less Stressed Life podcast. You can use the discount code Less Stressed at checkout for 15% off Full Circle Prenatal at fullcircleprenatal.com, and you can find all discount codes and links for everything mentioned in the podcast over at kristabigler.com forward slash shop. 
Okay, today on the Less Stress Life podcast, I have Arielle Garden, who is a neuroscientist, psychotherapist, mom, former fashion designer, and female founder and visionary of an amazing and highly successful tech startup, Muse. Muse tracks your brain during meditation to give you real-time feedback on your meditation, guiding you into the zone and solving the problem most of us have when starting a meditation practice, letting you know when you're doing it right. I mean, isn't this the question of the day? When she is not reading brains, literally, or investigating it, investing in inspiring and advising other startups and women in their businesses. You can find her on stages across the world from TED to MIT to South by Southwest, inspiring people to understand that they can accomplish anything they want by learning what goes on in their mind. Welcome, Arielle. Thank you. Hello. It is a pleasure to be here. Yeah. I also love that we've got some science cross former fashion designer. I like when people do something different than what the society expectations are for your career and you create something that you find that you lean into your passion that changes the world. So it was kind of making me happy right before we got on the call. Like, I just love, I love your history here. And how did that happen? How did you go from one to the other? So I think I've always been an artist and a scientist simultaneously. My mom was an artist, so I grew up watching her make these beautiful large-scale oil and canvas works. And I was always fascinated by the world and how it worked. And then I became fascinated by the brain and how it works and the self and how we work and how we create the experience of us. You know, what are the thoughts and the feelings that, that generate who we are and how by shifting or changing those thoughts and feelings can we change the way we experience the world? And and I've done it by crossing back and forth between art and science many times. The foray into fashion was uh, part art and just creativity and making awesome things and part a discovery and identity and the things that we wear to express ourselves and create our mood through how we curate what's on our body. You're like a podcast listener. You're a lifelong listener or a lifelong learner. For sure. <laughs> totally. So we're going to talk a lot about meditation today, which is always for me. I love talking about it. It's funny. We've talked a little bit about Muse before because I interviewed my mentor, Pat Flynn, who loves, is a huge fan of Muse. And we talked a little bit about meditation from oh, that aspect. Yeah. It's actually been well over a year ago, but yeah. So I don't know if you've had a chance to talk to him on his podcast as well, but he loves Muse. He has a meditation chair. And I found that really interesting in one of his presentations once. And so very not off topic from what he would normally talk about. But I wanted to talk about like a everyday person, how are you incorporating this into your life? Because I find meditation to be somewhat elusive. And we know meditation is good for us. We know we have proof that it works. But how do you get there and know that you're doing it right? So let's talk about let's define what meditation is, because I think that there's a lot of misconceptions about what it is, how you know if you're doing it right, right? So what's meditation? How does it work? And like, give us like the elevator pitch for meditation. Sure. So the definition of meditation is actually very simple. It is a practice or a training that leads to healthy and positive mind state. It's not something weird or woo-woo. And one of the most common forms of meditation that you do is a focused attention meditation. So you put your attention on your breath. When your mind wanders away from your breath, you notice that it's wandered and you choose to bring your attention back to your breath. So it's an incredibly simple practice. You focus on one thing when your mind starts to wander away, instead of following that wandering thought, you make the choice to come back to your breath. It's super simple. And from that very simple practice, we see some incredible benefits in the mind and the body. So for one, when your mind wanders onto another thought, typically those thoughts are negative, ruminating, frustrating. Sometimes they're panic creating. And when you say, hey, I don't need to follow that thought. I can choose to take my mind off of it and onto something neutral you do something tremendous. You change your relationship to your thoughts. 
you now have the choice to not be in those negative ruminative thoughts and to instead choose the contents of your own mind. And when you do that, you're now letting go of thoughts that are often negative. Those negative thoughts then have an impact on your body. So when you let go of that, you're now able to let go of the stress and tension that negative thoughts create in your body. And you're able to curate the experience of your own life. It's tremendous. That was so nicely said. And it made me calm just hearing you speak about it. So focused attention and having a choice on what your thoughts are going to be. So while this is good for everyone, who is it especially essential for? Because I wrote down scatterbrained, having a hard time focusing. Who else is on that list? <laughs> <laughs> kind of everyone is on the list. Yeah. Meditation has multiple benefits. So one is the focusing because of those thoughts that you're having are distracting. And so when you learn to let go of your distractions and stay focused, you're literally doing that. You're improving your focus. The Another effect that it gives you is an increase in calm. Because when you're not spending time in the negative thoughts, you're coming back to focus, you're actually in a very calm place. And when you're meditating, you're doing so in the present moment. So you're just here and now with your breath and your body. You're not in the past where you can ruminate on what went wrong. You're not in the future where you're worrying about what might happen. You are just here and now where in reality, everything is fine. Everything just is. Speaking of the here and now, when is the best time to meditate. I think meditation gets pushed off as like, oh, I can do that at a later time. So you're talking about the present, you're talking about the here and now. I think sometimes one of the misconceptions is I need to set aside this time for meditation. What do you say to that? So just like going to the gym or any other practice, it actually is very useful to set aside a time to do it so that you can practice. You can't go to the gym once and then expect a month later to be able to move the couch easily without hurting. But when you go to the gym regularly, you make a practice of it, or you you know do your practice every day, you improve. And then you have the skill when you need it. So, you know, next time somebody says, hey, can you give me a hand? You can just effortlessly lift that couch and it's not a big deal. Or the, you know, mental corollary, you know, if something life throws you a challenge, you have the skills and tools that you need to be able to deal with it in that moment. But meditation is something that you can do everywhere. You don't need a special place in your house with an altar and a special pillow. You can literally just sit on your couch or your bed or lie on the floor or sit in your office chair or on the subway and take anywhere from one plus minutes to meditate. And you can do it simply by closing your eyes, breathing deeply, focusing on your breath, and making a choice about where you put your attention. There's different meditations for different times. I'd love to talk a little bit more about that. But people who listen to this, we love to be told, why should I do that? Or like, give me some good reasons. So let's talk about the neuroscience behind meditation. Oh, I can give you like a dozen good reasons why meditation changes your brain and you should do it. So the front of your brain, you have an organ called your prefrontal cortex, the part of your brain that is associated with planning, attention, and our higher order processing. So bad news, as you age, your prefrontal cortex thins. Good news, as you're able to maintain a long-term meditation practice, you can maintain the thickness of your prefrontal cortex even as you age. So like meditation makes real impact on the brain. And as you do that, you're improving your attentional abilities, as well as others. Meditation also impacts your amygdala. The amygdala is the part of your brain associated with fight or flight. 
So when we look around the world, your amygdala is always scanning for danger. And sometimes those dangers are real and your amygdala responds. And sometimes those dangers are perceived and your amygdala still responds. Sometimes the danger is real and the amygdala just keeps responding louder and louder and louder when it's not really correlated with the real danger, like you're stuck in traffic and your amygdala keeps screaming that you're going to be late and there's nothing you can do about it. So in the long-term meditation practice, what you see is a downregulation of amygdala activity, and you can even see a decrease in the size of the amygdala. So what's really happening is you have the relationship between your prefrontal cortex that's kind of like the parent and the amygdala that is the child freaking out and having a temper tantrum. And the prefrontal cortex, the parent is able to step in and say, hey, amygdala, shh, calm down. It's okay. So the prefrontal cortex is building this capacity called metacognition. So when you do that practice of observing your breath, noticing that your mind has wandered away from it and then making a choice, you are having a metacognitive moment. You are thinking about your thinking. You're kind of rising up and observing the situation rather than being stuck in it. You're not on the thought train. You're not on the emotional roller coaster. You're seeing what's going on. And this metacognition is really what builds wisdom. That is wisdom. It's the ability to survey the landscape, not get caught up in the you know emotions and drama of the moment, and then make a wise decision with all of the inputs. So that's what you're training the prefrontal cortex to do so that it can then say like, hey, I see these dangers. I see these opportunities. I see the plan. And amygdala, you can calm down because we've got this. And so it's tremendous for taking you out of panic and into planning or, you know, out of fight or flight and into emotional self-regulation and management. I love it. You're speaking my language. I love hearing about why it makes a big difference. And I'm like mind blown by the front of the brain being the prefrontal cortex and it thinning as you age. So you cannot plan and pay attention quite as well, but that with meditation, we maintain thickness. How did they figure that out? Why does that work? That's a study by Yeah, it's a study by Dr. Sarah Lazar at Harvard, and she looked at the brains of many, many long-term meditators and measured the prefrontal cortex thickness. And in her study, there was a 50-year-old long-term meditator who had the prefrontal cortex thickness of a 23-year-old. Oh, my gosh. You've sold me on, I must be doing this all the time. It's actually, it's so timely. I just really appreciate our conversation this morning. I was literally, I got up earlier to do some self-care, some reading, et cetera. And I was so annoyed is like an overstatement, but I was like, oh my gosh, I cannot focus (laughs) at all. And I should have started with, if you feel like you're stuck in that place, you should really stop and say, like, let's just recenter. Like now is a good time. I mean, this is meditation. Like if I'm stopping to center, to focus on something solid on my breath, like I've just accomplished, I have just tried, I have gone into meditation. I may not have done it right. I mean, let's talk about that piece next. Like, how do you know if you did it right? Right. I don't, it doesn't even matter at that moment because what I care about is I need to bring focus to a place so I can take that focus and use it elsewhere. Right. Yeah. So tell me, Can someone get into, like for these people who say, you know, I hear what you're saying. Meditation is a muscle. It's like the gym. I need to flex that. I need to work on it. I need to set aside time to become good at it. But can a person meditate in a minute if they need to? Is that possible as well? Absolutely. I mean, throughout my day, I'm constantly checking in on my state and then just experiencing what's going on at that moment, taking a deep breath, releasing tension, all of those are forms of meditation. And I should say there's many forms of meditation. So we've been talking about a 
focused attention on the breath exercise, which is very specific. There is open monitoring where you're putting your attention to the world around you. There are walking meditations where you're feeling the sensation under your feet. Body scan where you're putting your attention throughout your body and then either just being with the tension that you discover there or choosing to release it. Because part of what meditation teaches us is to accept what is here right now. So, you know, we're so used to having a pain or an experience and then struggling with it. It's like, okay, you know, I have this pain in my back. And so it keeps pulling your attention and you wish it wasn't there. And then you create more and more tension and resistance and more anger and frustration towards it, which pulls your attention to it more and more. But in reality, if you simply choose to put your attention into a place that has discomfort and you just allow yourself to rest there and you let go of the struggle with it and you let go of the tension with it and it just is, ah, you know, so you've got a little pain. So what? I've totally wandered here. We're talking about a wandering mind. I've totally wandered onto the topic of pain, but I feel like this is sort of now that I've gotten here. There's amazing studies on meditation and pain. One that shows that Novice meditators can see up to 50% reduction in pain and expert meditators a 90% reduction in pain. Mm -hmm. And that is partially because pain has two components to it. The primary pain, which is actually the site of injury. And then the secondary pain, which is all of the, you know, thoughts, associations, frustrations, all of the things that we layer on top of it that makes the pain significantly more painful. That secondary pain is often even more painful than the primary pain, the actual injury. And so when you apply a meditation practice or approach to managing things that are difficult in your life and you stop the struggle with them and you come to a point of acceptance, all of the, you know, quote unquote, secondary pain whether it's a physical pain or a situation in your life that you're just dealing with that's tense, all of that can begin to dissolve. And then all that sits there is the real issue, which you can that. then deal with or do something about or just leave it, just accept and be. The title of this podcast just changed to increase focus, attention span and reduce pain, something like that, right? <laughs> because people are interested in these things, right? So you were talking about the types of meditation. I want to reiterate those because I have heard of these different ones, but I love the list that you gave. So you mentioned focused attention on breath, walking meditation and feeling the earth under your feet, body scan, like paying attention to, and you can kind of elaborate here because I didn't get much written after body scan, but kind of paying attention to your body, teaching you to accept what is here now. What I didn't get is, did you say open mandarin? What was that? Open monitoring. monitoring. So open monitoring is sort of the next step after focused attention. So focused attention is typically the first meditation that people use where you're learning to observe your mind and focus your attention on a single thing and then understand the process of your own mind. So it wanders, you make a choice, you let it go. Once you have honed that attention, you can move into open monitoring. So in open monitoring, you now take that attention and you move it throughout the room and your environment. So you might be putting your attention on sounds. You might be looking at specific colors. You might be listening to the space of nothing next to you. So you can start to play with your experiences. And what that does is it builds the skill of mindfulness. So people often become confused between what is meditation and what is mindfulness. So meditation is the practice or the training that you do regularly. And mindfulness is the skill that is built from it. So the definition of mindfulness is present moment attention on your thoughts, feelings, sensations, or surrounding environment, doing it intentionally and without judgment. That's so, so wonderful. That, Can you repeat meditation versus mind? You said the skill built from it. The meditation is... 
So meditation is the practice or the training that you do. And mindfulness is the skill that is built. So it is the definition is the present moment, non-judgmental, intentional putting of your attention on your thoughts, feelings, sensations, and environment. And so from there, when you're doing that, you're moving your mind around the world on yourself. And that is happening in the here and now. You don't have thoughts going on. You're not thinking. You are just in the experience, in the experience of seeing, in the experience of feeling, in the experience of hearing. And that is how meditation helps really bring us into the present moment. Again, that present moment in which there is, you know, no worries about the past, no concerns about the future. It's just what is here and now. I feel so nice when you talk about it. I feel like I'm in meditation school right now, which is wonderful. <laughs> and so to reiterate what you said about meditation versus which is the practice versus mindfulness, which is the skill built from the practice, I'm just going to take us back to that analogy about going to the gym. It's like meditation is whatever the exercise you did for the day and mindfulness is the muscle that you built from that thing yeah. over time, essentially. Analogies help me. I hope they help everyone else because I love a good analogy. <laughs> kind of like when you're talking about the amygdala being the parent <laughs> saying, calm down. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. The prefrontal cortex is the parent. The amygdala yeah. is the oh, child. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Apparently we need to re-review that one too. Okay. So we're going over so many amazing things here. So how does a home device actually track and give feedback on meditation. How is it actually doing that? So Muse is a brain sensing headband that tracks your meditation and gives you real-time feedback. And how it does that is by using various forms of sensors. So it has EEG sensors on the forehead. So the same kind of sensor that you have in a clinic or a hospital that would track your brain waves, we've miniaturized them and made them basically like into a little Fitbit that you wear around your forehead that tracks your brain activity and lets you know when you're in focused attention and when your mind is wandering. Because you know, we've heard that meditation is so amazing for you and it's a simple little exercise, but in reality, it can be kind of frustrating to do. Like there's nobody sitting inside your head telling you when you're focused or reminding you when you have a thought and now it's time to, you know, let go of the thought and come back to your breath. There's no coach in your brain. And so Muse is actually built to track that activity and give you an audio feedback to know that you're focused and know that your mind has wandered. I'd love to talk about, I'd like to have a mini how it's made session because I think it's so interesting to develop products because I think Muse, there's maybe a couple products similar, but it's a small, it's a very small market, right? So you're feeling the need, you answer the question, how do I know if I'm doing this right? What I'd like to know also is how is the Muse headband, which is EEG sensors, I believe is what you said. How's that different from heart rate variability monitoring devices or heart rate variability monitoring and tracking, which is what a lot of people have. Yeah. So Muse actually also has a sensor for heart rate in it, as well as an accelerometer and gyroscope. So we have meditations for the brain, the heart, the breath, and the body. And so what EEG is, is it's literally measuring your brain waves. So it's measuring the electrical activity that comes off your head. When you think, when you relax, when you focus, your brain activity shifts and we can detect those big shifts. We can't detect small things. We can only detect the big shifts. We can detect the big shifts that know when you're focused versus when your mind is wandering. And in the same way that a heart rate monitor can tell you that your heart is speeding up or your heart is slowing down or you're in the fat burning zone with an EEG monitor. So the heart rate monitor is measuring your heart. With the EEG monitor, we can tell you when your brain isn't focused and when your brain is wandering. And then in the same way that in the gym, you'd use that information to be like, I'm in the zone now, let's keep going. You do that with your brain. Mm -hmm. So the metaphor uses your mind is like the weather. So when you're thinking or distracted, you actually hear it as stormy. We're translating your brain activity into sound. And as you come 
Yeah, it's awesome. And as you come to focused attention, it quiets the storm. So you're hearing when your mind's stormy and when your mind is calm. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, that's what I'm doing. And then when you're able to stand calm, you're like, oh, okay. Like that's the meditation zone of a focused attention practice. Okay. And then the more you stay there, the more you hear little birds chirp and things. It's like, okay, I'm here. It's really like having a coach inside your head, letting you know when you're on track and keeping you there. I love it because it's not all voices. I love that you're using nature essentially to give this mental picture of essentially exactly what's happening. So there's a headband. It goes to here, I think. It's got little speakers, I'm guessing. But can you plug headphones into it if you want to just hear it in your ears? I like talking about things technically. (laughs) Yeah, sure. So the band sends the data actually to your phone. So you're hearing the audio off of your phone. Mm -hmm. So you can plug your headphones into your phone or just play it off your phone as it is. Cool. So let's talk briefly about, I just think it's so interesting how this comes to market. How did you decide, I'm going to make this device? Like, (laughs) how did that happen? It's a long story. So I was working in a research lab with Dr. Steve Mann. He's one of the inventors of the wearable computer. He's the guy that literally made Google Glass before Google did. And his master's student was a very good friend of mine, Chris Amini. And we began working with this early brain computer interface system, an EEG that would allow you to translate brain activity into sound. And I stood back and said, hey, you know, I think we can commercialize this. And we were teaching people at the time to focus and relax and they could hear their state of focus. They could hear their state of relaxation. And we realized that what we were really teaching people to do was to meditate. And if we could use this device to teach more and more people to meditate, we knew we'd be doing something phenomenal for the world. So Chris, myself and Trevor Coleman are The three of us founded the company and the device has now been in market for six years. It's used by hundreds of thousands of people around the world. There's over 200 published studies. Mayo Clinic just published a study with breast cancer patients awaiting surgery, demonstrating that using Muse improved their quality of life and decreased their stress and fatigue during the cancer care process. So it's been an incredible, incredibly rewarding experience. Yeah, very rewarding. Really making a difference in the world. So I'd love to give people... I. Finally, on one more like aspect of meditation, I like to give people I'm working with expectations around. Now, normally you can do this for this amount of time at this rate, and usually you'll see some kind of benefits, or I think you need to invest this much time to do that. I always talk about these like intentional experiments or sections of time on purpose. <laughs> so what kind of expectations would you set up? I know it varies. And you mentioned earlier about pain reduction or novice meditators can reduce pain by 50% and expert meditators can reduce pain by 90%. It's interesting to know what the difference is between novice and expert, but of course there's levels and you can improve. What would you say to someone that's just like, oh my gosh, I really need to try this. What kind of expectations would you give them? How long would you say you need to do this for this amount of time? And then you might see some benefits. And what do those benefits physically look like in your everyday life? Sure. So most people, when you start meditating, you probably want to start on your first day at five minutes. Five minutes is a doable amount of time. It doesn't seem overwhelming and you can start to begin the practice. You can then move it up to 10 minutes a day. Most of the studies see benefit. With Muse, we see it at 10 minutes a day for about two weeks, starts to see the benefit. So there's a study from Baycrest Hospital and they show that people that use Muse for 10 minutes a day for six weeks saw reductions in self-reported headache, pain, nausea, somatic symptoms, an increase in calm and also an improvement in cognitive function as demonstrated by the Stroop task. So we've had 
quite a few other studies that have echoed those results in about a month's period with 10 minutes or one of the studies was 10 minutes to 20 minutes a day of using Muse. In typical meditation studies, they usually look at 20 minutes a day over eight weeks, which is a more like an MBSR, mindfulness-based stress reduction protocol. And at that point, people have an increase in their mindfulness, the thing that I described, an increase in calm, an increase in the ability to regulate their thoughts, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So kind of translating that more practically into what you might feel. So if you start meditating for five minutes a day for the first two days, and then you ramp it up to 10 minutes for the next three days, you might begin to just notice that you have a different relationship to your thoughts, that you're able to, as you walk throughout the day, notice when your mind is wandering. I had one mom tell me very early on using her muse that she was in the park with her kid. And for the first time in her life, she realized that her mind was always wondering. It was always elsewhere. She was like there, you know, in the sunshine, like what should have been the most beautiful moment of her life with her child. And she was thinking about the grocery list and what she was going to make for dinner. And she didn't realize she was doing that all the time. And so at the beginning of establishing a meditation practice, the first insight was like, wow, I am not present to my life here. Okay. And then she had this tool that she had built to be like, okay, I can bring my mind back to the present. I can be here. People start to recognize more of a feeling of calm thing you hear early on, typically more like around the month period is like a month time point is a change in your reactivity. So you have the ability to just respond to something rather than react to it. Like there's more of a moment of pause before you go through the world and do something at two weeks, three weeks a month, people in your life, like your you know husband or wife will start to notice a difference that you're just sort of reacting differently. You seem calmer. And then from there, the shifts and changes keep evolving. Well, I've never really related extremely well to anxiety, although I work with a lot of people with anxiety. I'd like to talk about that a little bit, but I completely empathize with the mom with the busy mind, right? And not focusing and that thing. So I think sometimes we often pigeonhole that meditation is for someone who's got X, Y, or Z, but really we know everyone can benefit, but I love, it's so fun to hear yourself. in your story, right? (laughs) It's lovely. And what I took away from that, Ariel, is when you meditate, you are smarter and wiser. That's essentially what I got from that. And the longer you do it, the more your muscle is built essentially. So that way it, it stays. It's a preserved thing, essentially. You got it. Cool. So, so many fun things here. I love that you brought the science today. Where can people find you online? You can find me at Instagram, Ariel's Musings, Twitter, Ariel.Garten, and you can find Muse at choosemuse.com. Yeah. And as always, with all of the products that we love on the Less Stress Life podcast, you can get discount codes for Muse over at kristabigler.com forward slash shop. And that info will also be in the show notes. Thanks for coming on today. My pleasure. Thank you. One of the best gifts you could give us at The Less Stressed Life is your feedback. We are paid in podcast reviews. If you enjoyed this or any other episode, please leave us a review. In the iTunes store or from your podcast app, just search for Less Stressed Life as if you're not already subscribed. Click on the banana face image, scroll to the bottom where it shows the text of other reviews, and write a review. While you're there, hey, make sure you hit subscribe. For Android or Stitcher users, you gotta go to 
the desktop site and search for Less Stress Life and then scroll down to leave a review. Stitcher doesn't load Apple reviews on their site, so if you want, you can leave a review in both places. Your feedback means a lot to the success of the show. Thanks so much for taking the time to do that. You rock. 